friends, neighbors, and fellow patriots. This is According to Callus, and this will be episode 120. Yes, and I'm going to title this Texas Tuesday, What Have You Wrought? That's a good question. Let's see what some of those answers are. Well, as you may have heard, September 1st, a number of bills came into effect. And while some of them are touted by our conservative friends, neighbors, and compatriots as being great, perhaps they're just being a little excited without realizing the full extent of what's at play. Let's dive in, shall we? Well, as you may have found out that uh, the wild, wild west has not yet returned. Yes, uh, the so-called constitutional carry bill was signed and is now law in effect for a whopping three days. And I don't see people dying in the streets. I know, I know, we're wholly disappointed about that. I mean, restraint works. Oh, no. Hey, but in other news... Those rights that are now formally recognized, though in a limited form, and some of those limitations will become more apparent as the local and state law enforcement makes those apparent to you, and we still need to respect private property owners, just don't give them business, but you do have the ability to carry a firearm of your choice on your body without having to beg for permission from the nanny state. Cheers all around. Then they uh, passed a number of other bills related to um, different kinds of holsters that are permissible. Which, again, if I'm being recognized as having a pre-existing right to carry a firearm of my choice, I find it interesting that they then have to describe the means and method of which I can carry said firearm. Hmm. Makes you think on that one, doesn't it? Well, apparently now they have passed a law similar to the one that was in Kansas, and the law has gone in effect basically stating that if you should create a, a suppressor, commonly referred to as a silencer, in the state of Texas, for use in the state of Texas, that federal law does not apply. Well, that's all well and good until the local ATF pay you a visit, arrest you, throw you in uh, jail, or better yet, the FBI, and trample all your rights because you violated their federal law. And then, much like Kansas, where the state government refused to defend those very people that they claimed they were protecting. Now, fortunately, I believe we will get better representation out of our attorney general in his office, but... Again, that's wishful thinking. Do you wish to put your life, your liberty, in the hands of another person just to make a statement? And, and maybe you do. And if you do, good on you. I appreciate that we have people bold enough to do that. But as for me, I just can't recommend that. I don't wish to rule, roll the dice on a felony conviction, which they will then use to strip me of my ability to be represented. They will strip me of my ability, of my God-given rights to carry said firearms. We're going to need to do better than that. 
And then, of course, they also said that they were going to be a gun sanctuary state. Let's hope that they show up for that one at least. I mean, basically, the scofflaw states in uh, Washington, California, uh, I guess Oregon, and Colorado pushed through some form of drug legalization while there was federal laws indicating that, oh, that was a no-no, yet the feds did nothing about it. And honestly, I'm okay with it because there is this little thing known as states' rights and state sovereignty. And while you may personally not be enthusiastic about that, those states do determine what happens within their borders, notwithstanding what the feds may think, because the feds do not have any delegated authority through the Constitution to be involved in those things, regardless if you're a federal supremacist or a judicial supremacist, a plain reading of the Constitution is clear that authority was not given to the federal government. And while federal laws are seen as the superior law, but that's only when they're acting within the bounds of the Constitution. So just because the feds pass a law that they have no authority to pass does not make their law superior because they had no authority to do it in the first place. Even if SCOTUS should come down and say, well, yes, we feel they do have the ability to do that. Uh, No, that's not the way it works. But unfortunately, possession is nine-tenths of the law, and right now the feds have possession and control of, shall we call it, the purse strings or the spines of several if not most of all the governors including the pusillanimous governor that we have in texas now as we move along they also passed and brought into law a heartbeat bill now this has been done in several other states and the progressives were successful in getting federal courts to step in and make decisions or issue opinions that they're not allowed to do that. Of course, they're violating the federal constitution, but they don't seem to care because as long as they get the answer that they want, they're happy as a progressive. Unfortunately, this one went right to SCOTUS already, and SCOTUS, in a rare fit of mm, thought process, with the exception of John Roberts, how's that one working for you? Um, I'll touch on him in just a moment in a 5-4 decision gave the opinion that well texas did pass a law and they have the right to pass such a law which of course then caused weeping and gnashing of teeth of progressives that they will no longer have the ability to create human sacrifices oh wait i'm sorry that was the satanists that are fighting that battle um oh so that they will no longer have the right to murder the unborn Oh, well, yeah, I guess if it's, well, but in fact, up until six weeks, which is the typical time that you can actually articulate that there is a heartbeat that is separate and distinct from the mothers, they are still able to do that. Now, I will admit, it's kind of a touchy subject, but the state of Texas has a right to pass a law to do that. The only issue with that that I have is They then wrote in an exception to this law, whereupon the potential mother may order 
prescription to kill said baby without fear of repercussion. Based upon the theory that 2% of pregnancies uh, are wholly unwanted due to rape or incest, we must be able to get rid of them all. Now, a, a, a friend of mine did put out a valid point, and I got to admit, it did cause me some thinking. And I'm still thinking on what the correct answer is. But basically he said, if you're going to say that mothers cannot get rid of unwanted children for any reason, uh, what are you going to do about all these children that are then coming about that their mothers don't want them? Now, my initial reaction was, well, you know, if we didn't make adoption such a onerous issue, if we didn't make it so expensive, whereupon the attorneys get to cash in on other people's suffering, that would fix most of the problem. I stand by that. But he pointed out that even those that say, and we're going to use hypothetical numbers, but we're going to say there's a million children a year that are born to parents that don't want them. We have now made it much easier for them to let go of their parental rights so that they can put them up for adoption. We've then come along and said, well, we're not going to make this an onerous task. In theory, the mother ought to be able to sign an affidavit turning over the child to willing parents. Now, I know this is a whole other messy issue if we get into it, but they have done this nowhere as of yet. But hypothetically speaking, that's still going to leave a sizable number. Let's just say it cuts it in half. So that's still 500,000 babies that are unwanted. What do you do with those children? How do you raise them? Who looks after them? How do you pay for it? Those are all very good questions. And there are some answers to it. And I, I'm still trying to work out what the best answer is or what the best um, applications that could be put in place to minimize that number as much as possible. I mean, I don't know that you can get it to zero unwanted babies that have no family, but if we can whittle that number down to maybe 1%, I mean, that would be a ginormous leap forward, right? And the enemy of the perfect is the good in some people's minds. But in my mind, man, if we can do really well and get it down to a couple, two, three percent of, you know, quote unquote, unwanted children, that we can't take care of, man, we've done a good job. So the primary answer that I gave in the brief response, the churches have got to get off their backside and not just churches. I mean, social organizations in general, but churches specifically, we were called the task by our founder, by our creator, if you will, I mean, and if you subscribe to Christianity, then please listen to what I have to say. If you don't, if you know, if you're just a pagan, and, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, if, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ was the Son of God and rose from the dead, that's okay. I, I don't dislike you, but don't feel like you're in any obligation to listen to what I have to say next. We, the church, have an opportunity that we can do what our forefathers and foremothers did basically 2,000 years ago. And that's take in these unwanted children and raise them. 
and treat them well and bring them into adulthood. Make good humans, good citizens, good brothers and sisters in Christ out of them. We could do that. That would require maybe not having three cars. That would require maybe not having the 50,000 square foot amphitheater church services. That would require maybe a little bit more modern, or I'm sorry, modest lifestyle. That would require that some people would have to keep in check some other thoughts. That would require that we actually act out on the words that we say. Hey, now listen, I'm pointing three fingers back at myself when I'm pointing at you. And I know that I'm guilty of this. I know that this challenge is thrown to me as much as it is you. I'm searching for a good way to make something like this happen. I'm searching for a solution that I can be a part of. Clearly what we've been doing for decades is not working. When you reward people for having children that they don't care about, so they get cash payments, well, they have bunches of children that they don't take care of that, and excuse the word, but grow up to be kind of feral, right? I don't know that we're real thrilled with the results of that. But the alternative is not kill them to, you know, puncture their brain and suck it out and then squash them up in little pieces and remove them from their mother's body before birth or to pull them out in one piece that you can harvest organs and then sell it to the highest bidder. No, those those are not good solutions. Again, perhaps the good is not the enemy of the perfect any more than the perfect would be the enemy of the good. But a solution that requires some people to take a step out. Now, of course, the challenge is it's very expensive. There's so much red tape. There's so much government interference. How do we make this happen? Therein lies the rub. There's the challenge. And government, once again, stepped in to end a problem that if Christians practicing their faith maybe did a slightly better job with would be a much smaller problem instead of relying on going to the ballot box. I don't know. Maybe spending some more time on the soapbox, maybe spending some more time chatting with people, reaching out to people, maybe filling a grocery box. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I'm just kind of, caught between myself on this. I mean, granted, this is a Texas Tuesday. and I'm excited because Texas took a leap of faith. Texas took and put the right foot forward. But we didn't do it because our governor was excited about it. We we didn't do it because the lieutenant governor finally got behind something that he supports. No, we did it because we've been pressuring and pushing these guys in the Texas House and the Texas Senate for the better part of decades to act on these two issues and they finally got around to doing it. And now some of these consequences or potential consequences are going to come to bear. Well, I'm fully confident that, you know, 30% more people carrying firearms is not going to give us a 30% increase in dead bodies. I'm less enthusiastic about the idea that 
Well, now we're just going to have the abortion pill readily available for anybody that has mm, bad behavior. That now we're going to make it perfectly permissible to provide chemical abortions at a young or undetermined age. I'm not really enthusiastic about the idea that 14-year-old girls are going to be taking high-dose of different hormones to terminate pregnancies or potential pregnancies. I'm not enthusiastic about that. I'm even less enthusiastic about the idea that we might have, and I'm going to use the number that I threw out earlier, and I don't know if it's a fair number, but hypothetically, I'm not enthusiastic about the idea that we're going to have a million unwanted children every year, especially with the current system that we have set up that basically those people are put in the system. Those children are locked up and made wards of the state. They have no family. They have no upbringing. It's not a good situation. And I know, I know there's plenty of good people that are trying to help the system and do their part, but are they a majority? Are they a plurality? Or are they just a small minority within the system that abuses all of us as citizens? I don't really know. I'm not comfortable making a blanket statement. I don't want to condemn a bunch of people for something that I'm not sure of. But certainly, if we're going to do this, somebody must have given some thought to what can we do about this. Now, I know once upon a time, the churches ran orphanages and they ran schools where the children would basically come and live. And I would love for something like that to happen again. In fact, honestly, as a personal aside, it's kind of been a background dream of mine to be part of creating a school, an alternative school of sorts, where we take in people and we bring them up. We teach them skills and we teach them how to live and how to think for themselves. And I know, oh, well, you religious fanatics, you don't want people to think for themselves. You want to train them up to only believe certain things. You know what? The two are not always opposed to each other. Yes, we want you to understand there's an objective truth. Yes, we want you to understand that this is what we believe, but we also want to treat you fairly and we want to teach you scientific method. We want to teach you logic. We want to teach you how to think for your own self. And at some point you may decide, hey, I don't want to take part in this anymore. And we'll be devastated. We'll we'll be disappointed that we weren't successful and bringing you along in the faith that we have and share amongst ourselves. But at the end of the day, we have to respect you because if we've brought you up right, we have to trust that the Lord will bring you back if and when that's in his will. That's a challenge. I know. Much like it was a challenge that, you know, when there were states that were passing laws recognizing various forms of cohabitation or mm, legal rights to different groups of people I'm just going to dial it down here. Creating new forms of marriage. How about that? And, you know, conservatives, they got all worked up about it and they just ran to the state and they said, well, how can we fix this? What can we do? And they gave us DOMA, where the federal government decided in their infinite wisdom that they were going to determine what marriage was and they were going to give us a definition. And we were all so happy. When I say we, I really mean you guys out there because we thought we solved the problem. We brought the federal government in defining what it is for a man and a woman to be married. And while that sounded good on the surface, it wholly backfired. How's that working for you now? 
Conservatives, please understand you cannot go to government to seek a solution. Christians, we need to remember that while we work with government and we respect government, government is not our salvation and government is not our friend. It's not our enemy always, but it's definitely not our friend. But we make the same mistakes over and over again because we refuse to learn from simple historical lessons that have been displayed time and time again. Yet, I fear now that we've created this, we're going to run to government and say, oh, well, you need to bring back orphanages or, well, you need to just expand the social state or, oh, we need to just expand those uh, benefits, the, the social safety net. No, that's our job. If you belong to a church, if you belong to a temple, if you belong to a synagogue, we know we're supposed to take care of our own. We're supposed to look after our extended family and our community. We have the understanding of what we're supposed to do. We just don't do it. Or if we do, it, we're not doing it well. And it takes a lot of money. So, I mean, maybe, maybe Joel Osteen has one less jet. Maybe Rick Warren has one less mansion or spends a little less time in Davos. I don't know what the answer is. Those are just the two guys that like me poking fun of it most. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other little televangelists that, well, let's just say are more concerned about lining their own pockets than they are taking care of their parishioners, in my opinion. And this is, after all, my opinion, because it's my show. Clearly, it is, according to Callus. And while I don't have any hatred to those folks, I just can't help but note the obvious. But again, we're supposed to be a light. Yet, I think we put it under the bushel. I think we're not really doing what we set out to do. And every time we run to government to solve the problem, which is exactly what we did with the heartbeat bill, we create more problems or we create a problem that we never even anticipated. I, for one, am not entirely satisfied with the idea that government has now determined you're a human if and only if you can hear a heartbeat. Because if that's the definition now, what's what's to stop it from next week? It being, well, you have to have certain discernible wave patterns in your brain. What's to determine that, well, you're not really a human unless you've got this latest update that we administer via a injection. Texas. We have the opportunity to lead the way. We have to take that next step in faith. I would suggest that in our third special session, courtesy of weak Republicans and, well, let's just call it aggressive Democrat misbehavior, we're going to go for a third time. And we'll probably tackle redistricting in there. We'll probably tackle a few other things. But perhaps... One of the things we ought to consider is a tax credit for taking care of quote-unquote unwanted children. Perhaps we create a tax shelter or a benefit for doing this. 
Now, I know, I know. We're still kind of sort of going to government, but we're just looking to create an incentive, right? We want people to do the right thing. The progressives have no problem using incentives, both good and bad, to force people to modify their behavior. So I'm suggesting to you that maybe we ought to take a page out of their own book. We incentivize people to do the right thing. Again, it's not a perfect solution, but I think it's a pretty good solution. I mean, after all, if you believe taxation is theft, I mean, any little bit of taxation relief you get should make you happy. Any little bit of tax that somebody else gets back should equally make you happy. Now, if you think that taxation is a justifiable thing, particularly if you get proper representation, okay, fine. Then you should still be equally thrilled with the idea that we're going to reroute some of this money that admittedly gets not spent very well in many uh state and local levels and give it to somebody that's actually looking to do something good to look out for the least of these, if you will. I mean, after all, I mean, if you call yourself a conservative, you, you want to conserve culture. You want to conserve the right thing. How is this not that? I'm going to have to do a follow-up on this. I'm going to have to spend some more time on the idea that conservatives keep setting themselves up for their own failure. But the reality is that Texas made a couple of good leaps forward. And while I'm not entirely certain what all came out of the so-called election integrity bill, they're pretty stoked about it. Those people that uh, I listen to, if you will, that are in the elected office They think it's going to make a difference. And I know there's some sections of our state that are oh so fearful that it's a voter's restriction act. Oh, please. You show some ID, you show up in person. If you can't show up in person, you can get a voter's uh, mail-in ballot, but you have to meet certain criteria for that as well. And you still have the opportunity to drive in. Oh, and by the way, while they were at it, they expanded the hours in which the voting can take place as well as the number of locations where it can take place. So voting is oh so powerful and oh so important to you. Perhaps you have to actually do a little something in order to make it happen. Perhaps you should be enthusiastic that your representation is actually going to be better because there will be less fraudulent votes counted. And you can say all you want. There's no fraud, but we know there is. There's many, many things in the pike coming down the pipe that are going to show us just how much fraud there is, both in Texas and the rest of the country. And you can gaslight and you can throw up straw man arguments all you want, but we all know what we saw with our own eyes. That's why people acted in a foolish way January 6th. They no more want to overthrow a legitimate government than anybody else. But I got to tell you, the idea of having an illegitimate government kind of makes my blood boil. I just don't have absolute proof. And I don't know that we're ever going to have absolute proof. But boy, I suspect it. And man, is there evidence to suggest that's the case. But I have to stop short. Because I don't want a civil war. I want to maintain peace as long as humanly possible. 
I have no idea what that would bring, but I'm not foolish enough to wish that on anybody. And anybody that says they're on my team that calls for such a thing, man, I got to tell you, you really, really need to check your, (laughs) got to check yourself, check your precepts and check your six. Because you're more than likely being goaded into doing something very stupid by somebody that already works for the same government that you think you're going to overthrow or, quote, fix or reform. The only thing we can do is to stay active, stay vocal, stay involved, do what we can at the local level and work our way up the chain. Perhaps if we can rein in the local tyrants, we'll have a better opportunity to rein in those medium level tyrants and through the doctrine of lesser magistrates through the idea of interposition perhaps then we can stop that high level tyranny without having to actually fight it at a level that we've only seen once before in this country at least in the last 150 years and I have zero desire to ever revisit that again And actually, to be blatant honest, it's 160 years. But be that as it may, I ask you, if you enjoyed this episode, if you think that anything I had to say made you think, made you smile, maybe maybe even made you a little cringe, maybe caused you to pause, maybe cheer on the inside. If you had any of those reactions, there's a button that says like, press it. Maybe share it to one of your friends. I am on the cusp of hitting 2,000 downloads. Now, I have no idea how many people actually listen to this because a lot of people listen without ever downloading it. But it took me nearly 85 episodes to get to 1,000. And here I am at 120 It's 35 episodes later, and I'm about ready to hit 2,000. And I would love nothing more than have 2,000 episodes before I have to record the next one. I don't think that's a big goal. I don't think I'm asking for much. Share the show. Like it. Not asking for anything else right now. I just want to build up the platform and expand the influence and the conversation First in my hometown of McKinney, then in my county, Collin County, and then ultimately the state of Texas, because the state of Texas is the last best option to save America. And you can love America all you want, but without Texas, we're in trouble. I call myself a Texian patriot. I stand by that. And I would be love to stay part of America as long as it makes sense. And if we do our part in Texas and we lead the way and we inspire those around us, perhaps we'll be successful in keeping that indivisible. And we do that by providing the liberty and justice for all that we all recite all the time. Even though I know darn good and well there's a whole lot of people that don't believe it or mean it. That, my friends, is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.